Did you get more wood? Oh yeah. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today, as always, is our gently used co-host, our comfy boy, Messer Engine. Thanks for joining me today, Mess. How's it going? I couldn't say that I'm doing bad. I've been on vacation all week. Yeah, you fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks. Yeah, so it's been a week since we sat down last, a week during which, of course, you were on vacation. You didn't have to go to work like an asshole. Uh, So how was it, Mess? Did you have a good vacation? I had a great vacation. Aside from having to deal with uh, my down fence from the storm uh, two weeks ago, uh, I had a very relaxing time. I played lots of Mario Odyssey. I beat the main portion of the game. And now I'm hunting for power moons, which are really just power stars shaped like moons. Um, I thought I was doing good. I have 250 or more of them. There's over 600. Yeah, I'm nowhere close. (laughs) I am incredibly jealous, both that you have had time away from work and that you have that fucking video game. But that's the world that we live in right now. Um I'm doing pretty good as well. Uh, again, I put a considerable amount of time this week into training and preparing my team for the local Pokemon singles tournament for the Ultra Sun Ultra Moon launch. Like, I'm pretty excited to do it. I'm almost done leveling my team all the way to level 100 so that I can hyper train them, which leveling to 100 in Sun and Moon is a fucking chore. But th- the end is in sight. So that's good. I think that you can be pretty much guaranteed when you go to this event, you won't be swept by up a barrel. <laughs> yeah, I, I streamed some showdown on Tuesday for, for the lulls, and I got very, very nearly swept by a barrel because I am a garbage boy. <laughs> uh, that was the funniest part of the night. Yeah, yeah. The night wouldn't have been nearly as entertaining if I had been, you know, competent. Um, but there we go. Um, so that was our week. Well, at least that was our week, but it's not just us. Uh, Mess is not the only co-host joining us today. I, I had to pull a bamboozle and make you guys think that we weren't doing this, that we'd forgotten. Uh, but we do have a brand new, sparkly, new car smell boy who is not a boy to introduce you to today. Uh, she thinks shorts are comfy and all of her rattata are top percentage. Uh, new co-host, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, I'm Celeste. Um, I am a transgender gamer girl. Um, I am a computer scientist and I have a fiance. Uh, she's great and um, going into gaming history, I have been playing JRPGs and MMOs for a really long time. I love the Pokemon series. I played it back when Red and Blue were released and then golden crisp or golden silver sorry and then it kind of dropped off when high school hit and i swapped to playing mmos i'm very excited to join this project awesome thanks lady uh now we 
had an entire episode basically dedicated to where myself and Mess and Rohane, we introduced ourselves to our listeners uh, so they could get to know us and our relationship with Pokemon as a franchise, as a series. Uh, now, we're not going to do that with Celeste today because we have a lot of shit to go over today. Uh, but I do want to at least have a, a bit of that. I want to pose some of those same questions to you, Celeste, so that our listeners can get to know you. Uh, so starting off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your love of and your history with Pokemon as a game franchise? So I mentioned this earlier. I started with Pokemon Blue. I actually received that as a Christmas gift, I believe, the year it launched. And from the start of getting that game, I fell in love with the series. Um, I eventually ended up buying Red and then Yellow when it came out because I had to have a Pikachu following me while going through Kanto. It was just something that had to happen. And then Gold and Silver came out, and I played those. But around the time that came out, it was also uh, the time I had discovered MMOs. And so I was my interest in Pokemon had started to drop. So after that, I stopped playing in favor of other games. And then it took until Black and White for me to pick up the series again. That That is a very familiar story. That, that about mirrors my own journey perfectly. Um, now, the really tough question for you, Celeste. Uh, your very first playthrough, your very first save file, that Pokemon Blue that you got for Christmas. Who was your starter? Uh, why did you pick them? And are they still, to this day, your favorite of the original starter trio? It was actually Squirtle. And honestly, it's... Hey! <laughs> honestly, it's hard to say a favorite or... Not all of those three. I love all three of the original starters. There's something about that cute little turtle that puts them ahead of the rest. I am so, so glad that you actually have good taste in Pokemon. That makes me happy. Um, I hate you both. Now, <laughs> that, now, Celeste, I know that you haven't played the entire series, but of the, the games that you've played, which which game or set of games has been your favorite and why? I'd have to go with X and Y just because um, it wasn't the first playthrough of X and Y that this happened, but I picked it back up maybe a month after coming out as transgender, and I was able to play a female character for the first time in Pokemon. It was just very important for me, and it was extremely valuable. That's really cool. X and Y were really solid titles. Um, Now, of the games that you've played, which ones did you enjoy the least, and what didn't you like about them? Well, I wouldn't say I didn't like them, but I guess I enjoyed Gold and Silver at least, only because I didn't give them the time they deserved. At the time, in 1999, I was playing EverQuest, and I was completely addicted to it. A lot of my favorite games got ignored then. That's fair. Those games completely devour your soul. I'm with you there. Um, now, the hardest of all possible questions for a Pokemon fan, but gun to your head, you must choose one and only one Pokemon to be your personal all-time favorite who do you choose and why vaporeon i absolutely love all of eevee and all of its evolutions but something about having a starting pokemon with so many versatile evolutions drew me in and the cuteness keeps me coming back vaporeon just happens to be the pokemon i identify with the most and if pokemon existed in real life i'd definitely have a vaporeon as a companion awesome now, the opposite question, which is almost, if not just as hard, who is your least favorite Pokemon, and what about them don't you like? Probopass, actually. <laughs> Only because it takes an interesting idea and gives it a mustache. 
Oh, poor, poor Probo Pass. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but Nose Pass is pretty cute, and it had a cool origin from the Eastern, Eastern Island statues. But when it evolved, it just kind of doesn't look right to me. But have you seen any of the anime-style Probo Pass battles where the miniature noses are just, like, whirring in the air like fucking drones? It's amazing. I actually have not. I need to look at that. <laughs> One of the Generations episodes, actually, I think it's the first Generations episode, has Pikachu fighting a, a Probo Pass on top of um, Mount Coronet in Sinnoh. And, and yeah, it's pretty fucking dope. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. <laughs> okay well that is our new co-host and thank you very much celeste i know that that was a, a lot of questions just kind of you know machine gunned at you but but thank you those were very good and very well thought out answers um and folks i i cannot stress this enough celeste is a very good friend of me and mess and of rohane for that matter we've all been friends for quite a while and we love her very dearly and we really really hope that you guys come to love her just as much as we do yes Okay, so it's it's that time, guys. It is time for our Pokemon news. Jingle. Here is the Poke News. Poke News. I think that gets longer every week. I I feel like I was starting to have a stroke. Actually, like I need to chill the fuck out. But that's where we're at. Okay, guys. So you thought we were finished. You thought it was done, but it will never be done. This week marked the beginning of yet another Ashcap Pikachu event. Yeah, when I saw that this was announced, I quite literally wept. <laughs> Seriously, though, the, the Southeast Asia slash Singapore region is about to debut the 20th anniversary Pokemon movie. And to coincide with their movie release, they've released a mystery gift code for the Kanto region, specifically variant of the Ash Cap Pikachu. Now, because Southeast Asia does not receive their own region coded cartridges, this event is coded to work with both North American and Japanese game versions, which are both distributed in that area. So that means that players who are legitimately in North America and Japan can all get a second Ash Cap Pikachu. Sorry to our European listeners. Sorry, Tom. Uh, this event does not work on EU game versions. Uh, there is currently no end date provided for this promotion, so be sure to use gift code PikachuM20 to get a second Ash Cap Pikachu, or a first one if you missed the previous event. If you didn't listen to us for like eight weeks, you get a, another chance. I think I'd pronounce that Pikachum. Pikachum. Pikachum <laughs> yeah. 20. All right. Now, a uh, quick reminder that if you do live in North America, the Fathom event movie screenings for the 20th anniversary Pokemon movie are going on right now. Uh, specifically, as of releasing this podcast, at least in my area, there's only one showing remaining for this coming Tuesday, November 14th. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing the movie on the big screen, be sure to act fast to secure those tickets. Uh, myself, my wife, and a good friend of ours all went together to see it last Sunday, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely worth the price of admission. And we got some cool swag in the form of an exclusive trading card game card and a code for the movie version ash cat pikachu for ultra sun ultra moon um, i'm gonna hold my movie review back uh, the movie actually airs on basic cable here in north america on disney xd in exactly two weeks on saturday the 25th which is actually my birthday uh, and we'll review it that weekend so that we don't spoil anything for anyone who couldn't make it to the theater showings okay um so last week brought heavy 
heavy news announcements for the upcoming release of Pokemon Ultra Sun Ultra Moon with a, a lot of a lot of meat on that bone. Uh, and they promised another trailer for yesterday, Friday the 10th. Uh, personally, at least I was on the hype train. I was expecting another big release of information, uh, of something approaching the magnitude of last week's release. And what we got, well, I mean, it was technically a trailer, but it was definitely not that. Yeah, it wasn't. But Tom's probably really excited. He loves ghost Pokemon. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the trailer that was dropped yesterday on November 10th displayed Mimikyu's new Z-move. And... That's it. Like, that's literally all it was. It was just the Z-move, which admittedly is a dope and creepy Z-move, just like the Pokemon Mimikyu, uh, but it was still decidedly a letdown after last week's mega info dump. Uh, that said, in less than a week, we will get our dirty mitts all over these games, so I'm personally content. Yeah, you don't have to wait much longer to know all the details and speaking of all the details i do want to mention that everyone should execute extreme caution around social media and the internet reddit everywhere else this week uh, as ultra sun and ultra moon did leak they have illegitimate copies floating around the internet and they've been thoroughly data mined so if you want that information it's out there. You can go get it. Uh, we won't be covering it here on the podcast, however, because that feels kind of scummy to us. Uh, if you don't want those spoilers like I don't personally, then be sure to act with the appropriate amount of caution. Otherwise, shit's going to get spoiled for you. All right. And there was one additional piece of Ultra Sun Ultra Moon news this week. Uh, specifically, there was an interview with Game Freak developers Kazumasa Iwao, and I probably murdered his name and I apologize. <laughs> um, I actually, I Googled how to pronounce it and even Google was just like, I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> and, and also developer Shigeru Omori, uh, and they posted the interview to the official Pokemon website. Uh, now this interview had a few pieces of really interesting information, but most of it was, well, if they aren't technically story spoilers, they're the next closest thing. Um, so this is your official spoiler warning. If you don't want to hear anything touching on the story content of Pokemon Ultra Sun Ultra Moon, uh, before the game's release, stop the, the recording now. Uh, there will be a timestamp. Uh, for when it is safe to resume listening in the description of this episode so that you can skip ahead and, and skip the entire spoilery section. Again, it's nothing big. Um, we're not talking story details, but you've been warned. If you listen beyond this point, you might get your feelings hurt if you want to avoid spoilers. So don't do it. Okay, I think we're safe to talk about it now. Yes, so let's talk about it now. So the big piece of information that came out of this interview was really twofold. Uh, firstly, I, you can call me Jolly Damas because the theory that I proposed last week in episode 14 is completely accurate. It's totally correct. Uh, the evil bosses in Team Rainbow Rocket, all of them uh, from Giovanni, Maxi, Archie, on down the road, they come from alternate universes where they were able to succeed in their evil plans. These are successful versions of these villains who are from universes that did not have the player character thwarting all of their ambitions with their 12-year-old scrappiness. Um, so none of these men, with the likely exception of Faba at least, are our versions of the bad guys, uh, which to me at least makes for a really interesting and compelling narrative direction, I think. It makes you wonder how the, uh, the Team Aqua, Team Magma leaders feel about that because they couldn't have both won in their own 
in one universe. So they have to be from two different ones where in one world it's just ocean everywhere and in the other it's just land and everyone died of dehydration yeah i i'm really curious i mean for all of them i'm kind of curious as to how the worlds where they were successful turned out because like i mean if you think about cyrus cyrus literally wanted to break the world and start over as a god so but he's still a man so how successful was he really and Lysander wanted to kill all Pokemon to kill all the people who wouldn't follow him. So, like, how threatening is he going to be? He can't have a Pokemon team. He killed all the fucking Pokemon. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> Can just imagine him running at you with a sword. Uh, now, secondly, it was confirmed that the Team Rainbow Rocket story arc is a post-game story arc. So it is not the main story scenario of the game. So it seems like Ultra Sun Ultra Moon might be sticking a little closer to the original story for the main game than I'd personally hoped. And that's a little bit of a bummer to me, uh, but we'll see how it works in practice once we get our hands on those games. Yeah, it should be interesting. We'll see how much the deviation is. I'm sure we'll discuss it. Yeah, we'll discuss it in depth. We'll probably wait a couple of weeks after they launch to avoid spoiling anything for, you know, obviously for anyone still playing through. Um, but once we have completed them, we'll definitely be giving our reviews. Okay, and we are back. So if you skipped the spoilery section, then uh, you didn't get spoiled, I guess. Good for you. Um, so let's let's continue on with our show. That is our Poke News for the week, so let's go ahead and talk about our challenge. And we are, of course, gearing up for a new leg of our adventure. We are officially staring down the barrel of our second game series with Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal. Uh, so before we jump into the gameplay stuff, let's just talk about Gold, Silver, and Crystal as games. Uh, our histories with them and just overall you know, what they mean to us, what our memories of them are. So a couple of... of Facts first, uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver were originally released in Japan on November 21st in 1999, so we're actually starting them pretty close to their 18th anniversary, so that's kind of cool. Uh, they were originally released in North America on October 15th of 2000. Uh, originally, they were direct sequels named Pocket Monsters 2, and they were originally slated for release in 1997, but they were pushed back to 99 in order to be redeveloped uh, to work better with the increased capabilities of the Game Boy Color. Uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver introduced 100 new Pokemon, bringing the total Pokedex up to 251, uh, which was mind-blowing at the time, by the way, that it was just like, there are there are more Pokemon. There, there are more than 150. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> and Gold and Silver introduced several revolutionary new features, which have become cornerstones of the franchise, uh, including Pokemon gender and breeding, uh, the addition of the game clock and real-time based events, the addition of two new types in Dark and Steel, which helped to balance the underpowered fighting type and the overpowered psychic type, uh, held items, and of course, full color gameplay, and along with it, the alternate color palettes for Pokemon that are affectionately referred to as Shinies. Uh, in addition, Pokemon Crystal brought the first moving sprites to the series, as well as the first female player character. And thus, the first time Professor Oak meme-tastically asks, Are you a boy or a girl? He just wants to be sure. I just, I feel like Oak was woke before the rest of us were. Like, he just, he, he didn't want to assume your gender. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> okay, so, um, 
now I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the more the more personal side of these games because again these are games that all three of us played as adolescents if not as children um, and and I know that for me at least they were a big part of that period of my life um, so let's let's start with our newest host uh, Celeste when you think back to the generation two Pokemon games I know you already said that they were your least favorite and that you probably didn't give them sufficient time or attention at that point but what what stands out for you in your memory of those games and your experience playing them? So yeah, I don't remember much, but I do remember being super excited when I first started up Silver at the prospects of new Pokemon and absolutely loving the new starters. Um, I never did play Crystal, and so I guess I stopped before then. But um, yeah, all the new Pokemon was extremely overwhelming and awesome and definitely an interesting prospect. Okay, do you remember who your original uh, gold and silver starter was and, and why you chose them? I think I always stuck with Totodile, honestly. Um, do, do you remember why, or was it just because water? <laughs> it was... Actually, I guess I am always drawn to water now that I think of it, which is really funny. That I never thought of, you know, I never thought of myself as a water-type trainer, but I just like water Pokemon. Um, and Totodile has always been super cute and... Out of the three starters, it was the most, uh, it just drew me in the most. That's that's more than fair. Um, is Totodile still your favorite of that trio of starters? Yes. Okay, that's fair. Um, Mess, what about you, buddy? What do you remember when you think back to Pokemon's gold, silver, and crystal? So, 2000 was like my freshman year in high school, so I did not play gold and silver as much as I did red and blue. Um I picked up gold and I remember enjoying it. I particularly liked the Kanto post game stuff. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, my first starter was actually Cyndaquil. Um, I'm not an enormous fan of Cyndaquil 18 years later, uh, or almost 18 years later, mostly because I just think it looks stupid. <laughs> um, Today, my favorite is Totodile, like, hands down. I think uh, that line is just, it's really well designed. And there's just something really attractive about a, a smiley crocodile. He's so smiley. He is a very, very happy boy. I absolutely love Totodile in the anime, too. <laughs> yeah, he is really good in the, in the Jodo arc in the anime. That's valid. Um, so yeah, for myself, um, I'm a little bit younger than Mess. So I, I feel like I was in eighth grade, I think eighth or seventh when, um, gold, silver crystal came out. And honestly, I remember the, the period of anticipation of gold, silver crystal more than I do the actual games. And that's not a slide on the games. Like they were my favorites in the series for a very long time. Like I felt like they took everything red, blue and yellow did and just improved on it tenfold. So I, I like I loved them, um, but I just remember, you know, like leak and announcement and anticipation of new game season like we're in now with Ultrasound Ultra Moon. That's always a very special time in the release cycle of the series. But that was the first one like before Red, Blue and Yellow came out. I at least had no idea that Pokemon was a thing. I wasn't anticipating those games, whereas Gold and Silver were very much on my radar. Like I was scooping up every piece of information I could possibly get my hands on. And since the Internet was kind of in its infancy back then, like those pieces were scarce 
first. They were primarily word of mouth from other kids. There was a lot of false information. Um, I remember the first time I got my hands on a Japanese Ampharos trading card. Uh, of course, it was a Dinryu trading card because that was his Japanese name. And for a long time, I called him fucking Dinryu. But I, I was just blown the fuck back by that that fucking trading card the first time I saw it. I was just like, holy shit, it's a new fucking Pokemon. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> I can totally picture you, your young self doing that too. Yep, yep, yeah. Except, except probably like not so like vulgar because I was a churchy boy. Um, I clearly that's no longer the case, but fuck. Um, <laughs> but no, like it was really cool. And and specifically, I used to go to Pokemon League events at the local Toys R Us. Like I would go and play trading cards um, at the Pokemon League. And one time there was a kid there who was selling um, fan translated ROMs on three and a half inch floppy disks of Pokemon gold for like five bucks. It had an emulator and a ROM on the disk and I bought one and took it home and I played it for days just going, there's no fucking way this is real. This is Pokemon. No fucking way. Like I, I devoured that, that fucking game the whole time convinced that it was some sort of trick. Like I didn't fully believe that this was really Pokemon until I laid hands on an actual retail cartridge. Um, but yeah, overall, very, very positive, very fond memories of gold, silver, and crystal. Um, I don't think I put as many hours into them as I did red, blue, and yellow, just because of, again, the period of my life that they came out in. But I definitely, even from the beginning, felt like they were far superior games. Yeah, they definitely did a lot of things better. I don't, that's completely uh, unquestioned, at least in my opinion. Um, as far as the starters are concerned, I, I was also a Totodile boy. Um, I was also, for a long, long time, Celeste, I was always on the nuts of the water starter. <laughs> like, I, every single generation, it was just, that one's the water one. Yep, that's the one for me then. That didn't break until black and white. Specifically, ironically, because I was dating my wife and she always picks the water starter. So I started having to look at other options if I wanted us to be different. Um... But yeah, I, I I very much picked Totodile, and I love the Totodile line for all the same reasons that you guys have said. He's adorable, and he's really, really good. Um, I don't think he's the best of the three Johto starters in Generation 2. I think he might be the best of the three now, um, with all the tools that he's picked up over the last five generations of Pokemon that he didn't have originally. Um, I actually just bred a shiny Totodile in my Pokemon Sun cartridge not long ago at all. Um, but yeah, Totodile definitely was and is my favorite of the three. Okay, guys. So um, again, Generation 2 brought with it 100 new Pokemon, almost doubling the size of the Pokedex. Uh, of those 100, if you had to pick one, who was your favorite new Pokemon introduced in Gold and Silver? Uh, Mess, let's start with you. So who do you two think I'm going to pick? I'm just curious. I would imagine Totodile. <laughs> Celeste? Um, I honestly have no idea. There were a lot of good Pokemon in Gen 2 that would match you. Unconventional uh, pick here. I love Totodile, but my favorite addition from Gen 2 is actually a Pokemon I didn't really get to use much. I love Politoed um, a lot. Like, in Red and Blue... Poliwag, I was like, oh, look, Tadpole Pokemon. But it got to Polyrath, and you're like, you're not a Toad, or a Frog, 
or anything that even resembles how this should have gone and i'm really confused and then bam gen 2 polytoed and i was like that's dope <laughs> that is so cool <laughs> and he's such a cute little dude and he's i if any of you have been following the uh randomized nuzlocke that i've been doing i ran into a polytoed and a dual trainer fight and it knew parish song and everything was terrible um but yeah polytoed is my favorite gen 2 pokemon that's a solid pick um i don't think that i'm gonna be surprising anyone with mine just based on my natural proclivities um, so Gen, the Gen 2 decks in general is a very polarizing one for me because it has a lot of really good, re- well-designed Pokemon. And then it also has garbage like Sentret. Um, <laughs> like there's a lot of Pokemon that I was glad were added because it added more variety to like trainer battles, but that I would never, ever consider using because they're just either trash from a design standpoint or just literal garbage. Or just not Heracross. Um, yeah, <laughs> or just not Heracross, because, of of course, my favorite Gen 2 Pokemon is fucking Heracross. Like that's, again, I don't expect I'm surprising literally anyone. Um, that being said, I do want to throw honorable mentions to Skarmory for just being an all-around fucking badass. Um, and then also to... Oh, fucking Ursaring, because he's a big angry bear man, and I love that. Um... But no, definitely Heracross. Heracross is uh, a big blue rage beetle, and he just murders things with his horn, and I love him for it. He's not... He's really good in Gen 2. He's not amazing because his move pool is so lacking. Um, Like, he doesn't get good fighting stab until Gen 4, I think. Maybe Gen 3, but I think it's Gen 4 he gets close combat. Um, But yeah, he's still just really, really good. And he's really fun, and Ash's Heracross in the anime was really funny, how he really just didn't give a shit about Ash and he wanted to eat all the time. Like, that was great. I love him. He's a big derpy beetle, and he's my friend. Plus Megahorn. Plus Megahorn, yes, yes. Don't fuck with Megahorn. Um, What about you, Celeste? Uh, Who is your favorite Generation 2 edition? I don't know if this is going to be surprising or not. It's definitely a weird pick. Um, but in Gen 2, one of my favorite Pokemon was Wobbuffet. Just from a design standpoint, I love the idea of focusing on countering, um, swapping in a Pokemon just to time a perfect counter to do a ton of damage. And then Wobbuffet in the anime was absolutely hilarious. It was really good comedy relief. I'm dying that Wobbuffet is still with Team Rocket in the anime. Like, to this fucking day, in Alola, Wobbuffet is still hanging out. Wobbuffet's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the mechanics and and battle mechanics of Generation 2, of of what they changed from a game design standpoint for the Pokemon franchise. Um, So Generation 2, first and arguably biggest, brought the special stat split. So again, in Generation 1, special was a single stat that affected both how much damage your special attacks did, as well as how good your defense was against opposing special attacks. Uh, In Generation 2, that was split into special attack and special defense, separate stats, much as attack and defense were from the beginning. Uh, This means that some Pokemon gained or lost either special attack or special defense in the process of this split, and they may be better or worse for it in Generation 2 than they were in Generation 1. 
I know that Nine Tails is a really good example of that. Nine Tails has a sky high special stat in Gen 1, and in Gen 2, that sky high special stat stays in special defense, and Nine Tails actually loses points in special attack, making it a, a far inferior Pokemon to its previous version. Yeah, yeah. Poor Brennan. Couldn't learn any moves. Yeah, and that is one thing, is move pools in general just get better with every generation. So maybe you'll like Ninetales in Gen 2 better, but it's definitely not as offensive, and that's kind of sucky. Um, now, in addition to the 100 new Pokemon and the two new types that Generation 2 brought, Generation 2 also introduced 86 brand new Pokemon moves, bringing the total number of moves learnable in the game to 251, matching the Pokedex. Uh, they also retyped several existing Generation 1 moves to the more sensible and familiar types we know them by today, including Gust being a flying-type move, Sand Attack being a ground-type move, Karate Chop being a fighting-type move, and Bite being a dark-type move. Um, in Generation 2, in-game opponents now have power points for their moves, just like you do, meaning that it is now possible for them to run out of PP or for you to stall them out of PP in a particular move, just like you can. That's a godsend. <laughs> yes, it really fucking is. They can't just sit there and hyperbeam you all fucking day. Like, eventually they run out. Um, generation 2 was the first generation to split the item bag into separately sorted, like, miniature bags or pockets. Uh, there are four total, one each for standard items, TMs and HMs, key items, and Pokeballs. And that helps to alleviate the bag restrictions from Gen 1. Although the bags are still restricted and it is still very possible to run out of space, particularly in the items pocket. Um, enemy trainers now have names as opposed to just tra generic trainer classes. So instead of just Bug Catcher wants to battle, it'll be Bug Catcher Frederick. So that's neat, I guess. Um, the Poke Gear was introduced in Generation 2, which incorporated the town map as well as other applications, including the new radio feature, and it set the tone for future Poke gadgets in future game iterations. There would be no Rotom decks without the Poke Gear. Uh, held items were introduced and were immediately and extremely important in battles, including berries that heal HP and status, uh, type-boosting items such as Miracle Seed and Charcoal, and of course the ubiquitous leftovers. Nom nom nom. Nom 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 nom. Everybody gonna eat. Um, and speaking of held items, the EXP share was overhauled from the EXP all in Generation 1 to be a held item and actually fucking usable and worthwhile so yay exp share yeah exp share helps a, helps a lot especially when you got to bring up somebody who died <clears throat> probably our run yeah that's gonna be a thing um and speaking of our run um we are now, now that we've talked about the games let's talk about our playthrough of the games and we have decided to make a few changes to our rule set going into generation two some of them minor some of them kind of major um so mess actually has been putting in a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to our rule set as someone with a background in game design he's kind of got the skill set that lends itself for that so mess i'll let you talk about what rules were changing going into series two and what some of the justification for that was sure so we wanted to accomplish a couple things for season two. One of which is we wanted to make things a little more difficult. We're not complete. I'm not a complete noob now. Hooray. Uh, Celeste might be. I don't know if you've ever run a Nuzlocke Celeste. Steven's never been a noob, so we don't care about him. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so first change is we're going to be a little harder on level limits. So you probably noticed if you watch season one, sometimes one of our hosts would accidentally out level the level limit and the rest of us would have to pick a Pokemon and catch up, which was as the person who always streamed first, super inconvenient for me. Uh, and also kind of bad for the person who went above the limit for a variety of reasons. The first being that they didn't get to pick who really went over. And two, that's part of the challenge, right? You're trying to figure out, you know, how to manage your levels while you're playing. So the change for this season is if you do go over, that Pokemon needs to be benched until it is in level range again, which means that you won't have it for PvP showdown. If you want to replace that slot, you got to level something to put there. So... Hopefully, everyone will take that seriously because no one wants to do unnecessary grinding, especially later on in the series. Rule change number two. Uh, we're simplifying gift Pokemon. So, in season one, we were noobs except for Jolly, and we basically said if there's a gift Pokemon, you can take it. If there are multiple gift Pokemons, Pokemon in an area, you can only take one. In season two... Gift Pokemon, are they just fall under the regular one encounter per area. If you want to take the gift Pokemon, you can, but you can't catch anything else for that area. Um, if you're not going to use it, uh, like the, the Togepi egg, you don't want to use it, you got to throw it in the PC and never use it. Done. Um, obviously, all of our existing rules regarding encounters and catches still in place. We're still doing dupes clause up to five encounters. However... Gen 2 means we have shiny Pokemon. So if you encounter a shiny, shiny clause is in effect. You may catch it. It is a fateful encounter. However, we've added a stipulation to make things interesting that if you do catch a shiny, you must use it on your team. The Red Gyarados and the Lake of Rage is an exception because it's static. Everybody can get it. It's not fateful if that's the case. So here's to hoping that Jolly finds a shiny centret and needs to use it forever. So we are also making some changes to our scoring system. So why make changes to the scoring system? So we have a situation where we went through all of season one and we learned some things. One of the things that we learned that PvP was very important because it was the only place other than when you fuck up and lose your friends that the point totals could be different. This was good and bad. It, it made PvP like essential and valuable, but it also meant that there was no real variation during the regular gameplay unless something died. So if everyone played well, everything was on the pvp run all the time now obviously we all lost pokemon some more than others for loco may you rest in peace in fairness i don't think there was ever a week where we all played well <laughs> fair enough that that's fair enough but we wanted to make the base gameplay more interesting for you as the viewer for us as competitors and to make it more risky I guess is the best way to put it. So, we have added two special changes to the way that we calculate our points. The first is that you can sacrifice one of your encounters 
for an immediate net of 15 points. So there are stipulations for this. One, it's only in Johto. When you go to Kanto and level 10 Jigglypuffs are bouncing around, we don't want you just giving up useless encounters for points as we move up towards red. Also, you can't save these up. You can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to take this right now. And if I need it, great. And if I don't, I don't. I'll just cash them in at the end of the run. You cannot do that. Before you pass through an area, before you get your encounter, you must declare that you are giving up the encounter for that route. You can't just go and be like, oh man, it's an Oddish. I really didn't want an Oddish. I guess I'm just going to kill it and cash in my points. Nope. It's a forward-thinking decision. Now, this is going to do a couple things. One, it can come back to bite you in the ass, right? You never know when you're going to lose some Pokemon. You might need something. You don't know what that encounter was going to be. It could have been something really valuable. Oops. If you got rid of it, you got your points. You don't have it in your bank when something dies. The second is that it is a means for you to either give yourself a lead or catch up, which we saw was very difficult in some situations over the course of Series 1. So now you're going to have this option in there. Uh, for it to count, you also have to be able to get something. You can't just opt out of a complete dupes route and get 15 points. So that's important. So that is our change for encounters and points. The second is a little more interesting and a little more dangerous. So gym leaders were always worth 20 points for taking down. You treat the gym, you get 20 points. Great. Everybody's happy. High fives. Hopefully you didn't lose anybody and completely negate that. We're going to do it a little differently this time. So we're adding some, some changes in which you can opt in to a harder rule set for additional points. High risk, high reward gameplay to hopefully give you all those beautiful Pokemon deaths that you desire. So the way this is going to work is that when you go into a gym, you need to make a declaration for how you're handling the gym. If you clear it as normal, normal 20 points. If you declare that you are not going to use any super effective typing moves for the whole of the gym and you successfully do that, you get 30 points. If you choose to do that and opt out of battle healing, you get a sweet 50 points. Now, you can leave after, like during the gym as you're fighting trainers to go heal. That's fine. We are also allowing the use of berries. Berries were a big Gen 2 mechanic. We want to show that off. It would be totally asinine not to do it. But no potions, no using non-held berries to clear status, and no leftovers. So that's what we're doing. We're going to see how that works. But chances are you're going to see somebody want to get a lead and probably TPW. Let's be honest. Uh, but if the contender has made a declaration and fails to follow through on it. Let's say you're not going to use any super effective typings and you do. You forfeit all points for the gym. So declaration is a serious business. Again, you got to declare it when you come in. You can't just go to the end and go, look, I managed to do it without all this stuff. I, I'm getting all the points. Declare when you go in. It has to be on stream or on the recording so everybody can hear it. Uh, that's all we're doing for the changing of the points. So we really hope that this works out in a way that's interesting to you and keeps the competition 
lively and interesting. Um, we also mentioned in series one that we were going to let the winner of the last series declare a rule. That winner was Jolly. So I'm going to turn it over to him so he can talk about the rule that he wants to set. So Jolly, what rule are you setting for Gen 2? Awesome. Thanks, Mess. That was really, really good. Um, one thing I do want to clarify about the uh, opting into no healing and, and no super effective moves is, and I just want to make this very, very clear for the listeners. I know that we've all talked about it and we're very much on the same page, but when, when we talk about if you fail to uphold that bargain, you get no points, that's never going to be a conscious decision from any of us. If we choose not to heal, then we're not going to heal, even if that means Pokemon deaths. That's that's the road that we've set ourselves on for that gym. But that being said, we also know and understand that mistakes happen. We're sleepy boys sometimes. Um, and so, you know, if I say I'm not going to use a super effective type move and I forget my fucking type chart and forget that... If I forget that X Pokemon is dual type and I use a move that I think will be neutral and it's really super effective, then I made an error. I didn't intentionally cheat, but I still lose my points. Um, if I'm tired and I use a potion instinctively it, rather than knowingly, then I still lose those points. I've still got to try to complete that gym without using further healing items because I said no healing, but I forfeit those points because of my error, not because I chose okay, well, I'm just not going to get any points rather than losing a friend. Yes. So, yes, just to make that clear, these are these are hard decisions. We can't go backseas on them. We just wanted to make sure that we were clear and upfront from the beginning what would happen if we make an oops. Because as we showed in Series 1, oopses do happen. Okay, so as far as my rule, um, so I put a lot of thought into what rule I wanted to bring to the table for Gen 2, and I think I picked a good one. Um, now, first, let's talk about what kinds of rules I was allowed to set and why. Um, there are some stipulations as to what rules uh, I can or cannot enact, or Mess or Celeste can or cannot enact um, if they win Gen 2 and we're going into Gen 3. Um, now, the three Nuzlocke rules, for instance, they are sacred for this challenge. So nothing that I declare or that any series winner declares can violate them. I can't add exceptions to, to permanent death. I can't add exceptions to first encounter. Those are just hard. Um, in addition, a series champions rule must affect all of our challengers equally. Uh, for instance, I cannot say, you know what? Mess really wrecked me with his Jolteon last series. So Messer engine is not allowed to use electric types. Um, alternatively, however, I can say, you know, Mess really wrecked me with his Jolteon last series, so no one is allowed to use electric types. Um, it can be really any move as long as it doesn't violate the Nuzlocke rules and as long as it affects us all equally. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. And again, I put a lot of thought into what rule I wanted to bring to the series for Gen 2, and I, I think I picked a really good one. Uh, so... There's one particular Pokemon in the Generation 2 Pokedex that is not a legendary, and thus it's on the table for our challenge, but it's extremely centralizing to competitive player versus player play. Um, I am referring, of course, to Snorlax. Snorlax is the single best non-legendary Pokemon in Gold, Silver, and Crystal. And he's so extremely good that if one of us is to use him on their team, we essentially all have to use him to remain competitive with each other. And personally, at least, I just don't think that's fun. Like that, I don't think that's good for the series. So my rule is that no one is allowed to catch or use Snorlax. 
That also means he cannot count as your first root encounter for that root. Okay. Okay, guys. Now, it's also important to note that as his forfeit for coming in second in the Red, Blue, Yellow series, Messer Engine will be wearing our Hat of Shame, the Derpy Badoof hat. Uh, unfortunately, however, Jolly's been a sleepy boy and took way too long to get it shipped to our buddy Mess at his home in the frozen tundra. So he won't actually have said hat until his second stream. So he's lucked out for now, but it will arrive. Yeah, honestly, uh, not looking forward to wearing the Hat of Shame for three months, though admittedly, it is cold as fuck here right now and that is a fleece hat so maybe not as bad as i originally thought that's okay didn't celeste find like a, a pikachu dick that she wanted to tape to your forehead so shouldn't you be glad it's just a badoof hat i i am <laughs> it might be a pikachu dick next uh next series let's not lose i think it was called the prickachu the prickachu <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Now the time has come to draft our series two starters. Now we had considered, Mess and I had discussed letting Celeste have the first pick as a courtesy since she is our newest host. Uh, but she graciously insisted on taking Rohane's picks outright since she's stepping in for him. Uh, so that means by virtue of my very narrow victory in our red, blue, yellow series, I will be selecting my starter first. Um, now guys, I've put a lot of thought into this. And honestly, the more I thought about it, the more I was inspired, more than anything, by my great Vileplume Amaretto in our Red, Blue, Yellow series. I never expected her to be so impactful, but that bulky support grass type was really the glue of my team. So I'm going to pick the bulky support grass type. Uh, my starter for Generation 2 will be Chikorita. Congratulations for going into Faulkner with a death trap. <laughs> <laughs> you know actually faulkner doesn't know any flying type moves um i think one of the trainers before him has a spiro with peck but yeah like faulkner has birds but he doesn't like no bird moves faulkner had gust. doesn't pidgeotto have gust does it i could have swore that it didn't maybe maybe i'm wrong and i'm just gonna die either way we'll find out this week <laughs> I'm going to watch. I'm, it's so exciting. <laughs> okay, Mess. Well, that means that you are on the clock second, buddy. And I think I know how this is going to go down, but who are you going to choose? Oh, I'm totally choosing Totodile. It's going to be one or two generations in a row. Because Cyndaquil... I, I mean, I like Cyndaquil better than I like Chikorita, but I don't like it better than I like Totodile. So, sorry, Celeste. All right, Misty. Well, Celeste, I guess that leaves you with Cyndaquil. That's fine. Honestly, Cyndaquil is the least favorite of my of the, of the three choices. I've actually never played a game through with Cyndaquil, so it'll be a good opportunity. And yeah, don't make me get my Misty cosplay out. <laughs> the competitive advantage is definitely a nice. Yeah, bonus. yeah. Cyndaquil is actually a really, really solid Pokemon in Generation Two, so that's a, a really good start for your team. And you have the best wild encounters potentially because you're choosing our version first and unless you're insane i have a feeling which version you're gonna pick um so yeah we have our starters let's select our game versions the choice of game version goes to the competitor who came in last in the previous version which since rohane is no longer with us will fall to celeste uh, celeste which generation two version will you choose to play well, obviously it's gonna be crystal uh, i've never played crystal version so i'm interested in seeing the differences in crystal um, playing as a girl is valuable to me, so I'm definitely going to be taking that advantage. Well, not advantage, but taking advantage of that. 
And then some of the rare Pokemon chances that I have looked into are definitely very exciting. I feel like I jinxed myself by assuming that you were going to pick Crystal, but <laughs> what the fuck are you going to do? Right, right. Uh, I'm picking Gold. I want that Mankey. I didn't get to play with Mankey in the last series because of my version, so let's hope for one this time around. That's fair. Um, okay, so that leaves me with Silver version. I'm, I'm actually pretty okay with that. Uh, I played Silver primarily when I was a kid. Uh, I'm slightly bummed because that means that I can't run an Ursa Ring. Ursa Ring's only in Crystal and Gold. Uh, and it sucks that once again, my early route bug is going to be fucking Weedle. Uh, but I do really <laughs> want to run. <laughs> and you're almost guaranteed to get it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that part sucks. Uh, but I do really, really want to run a defensive steel type. Uh, there are three in Gold, Silver, Crystal, and Silver gives me access to Skarmory. If I was playing Gold, I wouldn't be able to catch him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. You are so, I am, I am so gonna watch your stream because that means you're starting with Chikorita, you can catch a Weedle, a bug type, <laughs> at the start, and, one of your other uh, encounters, early encounters, is another grass type. So you're going to go in with three three weaknesses to Faulkner. Oh, and, and get this. Even if I catch a Geodude, all of Faulkner's Pokemon, no Mudslap. <laughs> guess you better hope for that uh, Tower Ghastly. Why? That's weak to Mudslap, oh, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have fun, boys. Oh, man. All right, guys. So this week does bring us another message from friend of the show, Tom Archard, or Trainer Mimic, who is gearing up with us and excited to be going into Generation 2. Uh, Celeste, would you do us the honors and read us Tom's message this week? Yeah, so Trainer Mimic says, Hey, guys, it's been a couple of weeks, but we're finally nearly at the starting line of Generation 2. I'm filled with nervous excitement about how this will run will go. Hopefully my experience uh, experience from Gen 1 will help me get through this challenge without much difficulty, but time will tell. I'm sad that Rohan has left for now, but I'm excited to see how his replacement will fill the gap he left behind. I'm hoping we all make it through this run as we did last time. My streaming hit a bit of a wall this week. I've been preparing eagerly for the release of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and everything had been going smoothly until I tried doing a test stream of Sun and Moon, where my computer couldn't hack it and turned out more glitchy than a missing no. I'm hoping that I can sort it out as my plan was to stream immediately when I got home from the midnight launch, which would have put me slightly ahead than folks such as yourselves across the pond and may have boosted the Trainer Mimic name early. As for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I'm thrilled that all the antagonists from the previous games are back and also noticed that Faba had taken Lusamine's place as antagonist, which has surprised me, but I think I'll I think the plot will actually be better with him as a primary antagonist. I'm loving Mimikyu's creepy Oogie Boogie Z move. It's so weird and funny. Anyway, I hope you guys are well. Make sure you let me know when you start your Nuzlocks, and I'll try streaming too. Tom. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I'm super bummed that you're having technical issues with streaming. Like, trust me, I, I know those feels. Uh, but I'm sure that you'll work it out and you'll have a blast when you do. Uh, me and Mess are going to be a little behind in getting Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon streams going as well, uh, due to some hangups we're having with getting our two 2DS systems uh, stream ready. But I know it'll be worth the wait for all of us. These games look super hype. Now, we actually also received a message from friend of the show and former host Rohane this week, giving his review of the 20th anniversary Pokemon movie. Uh, 
uh, we'd spent a while talking about it on the show, and he wanted to make sure to give you guys his thoughts and feelings now that he's seen it. Uh, that said, I really do want to save the movie reviews until it's been aired on TV, so we're going to sit on that message for now. But look forward to us reading that on our episode the week after Thanksgiving. Now remember, if you are a proud member of the Blast Burn Nation, like Tom and Rohane, and you're playing along with us at home, or if you're just following the show, we really want to hear from you. Uh, be sure to get at us by email or through social media, and we will read your messages on air. Uh, also remember that Twitch subscribers get access to our subscriber-exclusive Discord, where you'll have easy access to chat with our hosts and challenge us to battles on Showdown if you're playing along at home. Yeah, there's never been a better time to start playing along with us. Don't just do it. Do the the point system with us and tell us what your point totals are at the end. We want to know. Yeah, if you're creaming us, we want to feel bad about it. So please tell us. <laughs> All right, guys. So this week, our hosts will be starting their journeys in New Bark Town, where we will get our starter Pokemon and catch a shady character hanging around Professor Elm's lab. We'll head through Route 29, Cherry Grove City, and Route 30 to get a special package from the eccentric Mr. Pokemon, as well as meet an old familiar face. Uh, we'll head back to New Barktown with our package and bump into said shady character who attacks us. Upon returning, we find out that he's a dangerous thief. Finally, we'll get our Pokeballs and head back north and west of Cherry Grove City to Violet City, where we will challenge Bellsprout Tower, meet the dancing headmaster of the Pokemon School, and take on the high-flying Falconer in Violet City Gym, where he will murder all of my Pokemon. Um, <laughs> we won't be stopping there, however. Uh, Generation 2 games are outrageously huge, so our gameplay sections will be large to match. From Faulkner, we will be heading south and west from Violet City through Route 32, Union Cave, and Route 33 to reach Azalea Town. We'll hear about some shady dealings in the town's famous Slowpoke Well, and we'll go down the well to investigate. And then finally, we will take on the hard-hitting bug types of Azalea Town's gym leader, Bugsy. Uh, the level limit for Faulkner will be 9. Once Faulkner has been defeated, the level limit will increase to 16 for Bugsy, and that will be the limit for this week's progression. Uh, so how are you guys feeling going into this series? Um, Gen 2, if I remember, is fucking hard. So uh, I'm a little nervous, and I'm trying to formulate my strategy for how I'm going to work within the new rules. Uh, that we've implemented and whether it is worth it for me to try and defeat Faulkner with no healing uh, and try to pull an early lead uh, or if that is dangerous and I will actually start at negative 80. <laughs> I'm a little scared to be honest. I'm really hoping to catch a Teddy Ursa. And I'm really hoping I don't screw myself over by trying to do that because that 5% chance easily could be done in over five times. And I would just get dupes all five times and nothing for that to cave then. Oh man, I really, really hope that happens. I really do not want to have to face a Teddy Ursa in week one. <laughs> um, what What about you, Mess? Do you have any any particular Pokemon that you're hopeful to catch or, or any goals for your team that are informed by what you learned from Red, Blue, and Yellow? Um... Like I mentioned, I, I'd like to catch a Mankey. I know that it's a Gen 1 Pokemon, but as we mentioned in Series 1, Mankey is one of one of my all-time favorite Pokemon. So I, I'd love to have a Primeape for this series. Um, if I can keep it alive, it is a little frail, but deadly. 
Um, I don't know what my team composition is going to be. I, I've always been the type of person when I play games is I like to kind of feel things out as I go. Um, a lot of times in MMOs, I don't have like a class or an archetype like set when I go to play. I just hit one and hit start and then figure it out. And I'm kind of the same way here. Like because encounters are limited and at least in these early games, there really isn't a whole lot of variety on uh, the routes uh, throughout the game. I don't have to plan ahead as much. I can kind of just go with the flow because chances are I'm going to get one of three things that will also be available on two other routes. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I am more interested personally in how the new mechanics are going to work out for all of us and how that's going to impact the totals as we approach the end of the series in a few months. That's solid. I know that personally, I again, I, I mentioned this before, but I really, really want to run uh, a steel type wall like steel is an incredible defensive type and i don't think that's ever more true than it is in generation two when it was first introduced um and there are a couple of options there in um gold in silver specifically i could catch an onyx to evolve into a steelix i could catch a pine code to evolve into a fortress or i could catch a skarmory so there are multiple chances for that so i'm kind of hopeful for that um and yeah um i would really like to get my hands on another setup sweeper kalua worked out really really well for me in pokemon red um but we'll see how that goes because sword stance is not a tm in gold silver crystals so that's going to be a little bit easier said than done yeah that does kind of narrow the chances a little bit i wouldn't be sad if i didn't have to deal with that but you might be sad well, they're still cursed, so don't get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, if I had to pick one Pokemon, I would just, I'd love to get my hands on a fucking Machop. I'd love to get another swing at running a Machamp. Four Loco Dos. I, I will avenge you, Four Loco. <laughs> oh, I hope you don't. I really don't want to live with another Machamp. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's about it for our show this week. Um, but you can definitely look forward to catching our first leg of gameplay live on Twitch. Um, so let's go ahead and let you guys know when you can do that. Um, so mess as always, you will be streaming first. Uh, when can we catch your stream on Twitch? It will be on Sunday, the 12th at 6 p.m. Eastern time, just tomorrow. Not that far away. In fact, I'll probably be streaming before you listen to this and most likelihood so if you show up and you're like what are these strange rules that you speak of i'm sorry listen to this podcast you just listened to this podcast now you're informed i will try to explain uh when i'm on stream what's going on with the rules in case you have not listened yet Hopefully we'll have our fancy new rules graphic uh, up and ready to go by the time Mess streams so that he can just like put that in his, uh, I forget what the fuck that section's called, but the section under your actual stream on your stream page so that you can just point to it and be like, fucking read. <laughs> um, uh, so wh- where can people catch your tw- your uh, stream tomorrow? Uh, Twitch.tv slash engine as always. And if you're not able to fit that monstrously large section of gameplay into one evening, when can they catch your supplemental stream? Uh, it will be on Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. If there is a situation in which we get through all of it 
tomorrow night I will still be on Monday night doing our the continuation of our Emerald Randomized Nuzlocke. So either way, you can catch me there Monday night. Awesome. Um, so I will be streaming second, and I will be streaming Tuesday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash jollybynature. Um, and if a second night is needed, which honestly this series a second night's probably always going to be needed. Um, it will be Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so that, of course, leaves you, Celeste. So, Celeste, when and where can our listeners find you streaming live? Okay, I'll be streaming Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash Lost. Um, if you need that spelled out, it's C-E-L-E-S, the lost. It's pretty easy. Um if a second night is needed, it'll be Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm pretty sure we're, as everyone has said, we're going to need that. Yeah, night. again, th- these are going to be some pretty hefty gameplay chunks for the most part. So be ready, boys. We got some we got some game to play. Um, now, as always, folks, listeners, we do want your emails, whether you're playing along with us at home, doing your own much better challenge run that you just want to talk about and let us know how shit we are. Uh, or if you want to give us your thoughts and feelings on the show, please send your emails to blastburnradio at gmail.com or tweet the show at blastburnradio on Twitter. Twitter. Um, now, as always, I do want to thank our hosts for joining us. Uh, Messer Engine, where can our listeners find you uh, and your company, Mythic Portal Games Online? You can follow me on Twitter at Messer Engine. If you want to check out Mythic Portal, check us out at Mythic Portal on Twitter or Mythic Portal Games on Facebook. Okay, thanks, Mess. Um, Celeste, where can our listeners find you and your social media online? It'll be on Twitter at Celeste, or Celeste the Lost as well. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Celeste. Uh, now, once again, I am Jolly by Nature, and you can find me streaming live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Jolly by Nature. If you want to reach out to me or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter at BBR Jolly, or just follow the show uh, on Twitter or Facebook at Blastburn Radio, and we will keep you up to date on what all of our hosts are up to. Um, now, as always, I do want to thank everyone for joining us and listening today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste, for Blastburn Radio. I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Gen 2 next week! Yay! Blastburn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste the Lost, and Messer Engine. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy. Check out this and other video game remixes at ocremix.org. Battle and closing music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out all of her great tracks at soundcloud.com slash glitchxcity. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her portfolio or contact her for commissions at rachelmondragon.com. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.